Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu, and hey, it's division round week here in NRG Stadium, and I'm so excited to be bringing you this week's podcast because the Texans are headed to Kansas City for a rematch with the Chiefs. They'll be taking them on on Sunday, so we caught up with Joshua Briscoe of Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. He covers the Chiefs every day, covers them for the post-game show. He also covers the Chiefs for The Athletic. We get the ins and outs of that Chiefs team and what made them so red hot towards the end of the season and what to expect for this Sunday's game against the Texans. And then our player of the week that we sat down with, Taiwan Jones. And you remember him from the wild card win in overtime against Buffalo. He had that magical 34-yard catch that came after that magical Deshaun Watson escape from two Bills defenders. I had a chance to sit down with him because he was actually playing against his former team. He played with the Bills for two seasons, 2017 and 2018, and he was named a special teams captain after a series of very unfortunate and yet very fortunate for him events because uh, all's well that ends well with Taiwan, but he described in detail what led to him being named special teams captain. You're not going to want to miss it. It's an unbelievable story. And and he also talks about some of the different positions he's played because this week in his press conference, Bill O'Brien said back in training camp, hey, we thought about maybe switching this guy over to cornerback. Hmm, who knew? Anyway, Taiwan talks about how he's brought a lot of versatility and speed to this game, and, and he just really loves playing special teams, which is why Bill O'Brien loves talking about these core special teams players. Says he doesn't get asked enough about them. So we sat down with Taiwan Jones and got the scoop from the man himself. And you know what? You're going to hear the interview and you're going to really, really like this guy. He's just so likable, so humble. Um, He's been in the league for nine years. So he's not new to the game of NFL. He's new to the Texans. But after last week, he's definitely not new to the fans. We're going to get into all that. But first... Hey, Texans fans, you can quarterback your in-home Wi-Fi network from anywhere on any device with the all-pro control of Xfinity XFi. This is beyond Wi-Fi. This is XFi, Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of the Deep Slant podcast. So let's get right to it. Let's talk to Taiwan Jones. He's listed as a running back, but he does a lot more than just that. I sat down with Taiwan and caught up with him, especially after last week's big play against the Buffalo Bills. Take a listen. Taiwan, welcome in. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. You had the phenomenal play. You had the 34-yard catch towards the end of overtime um, from Deshaun Watson. You've been in the league for nine years now, so where does that play and that win rank in your nine-year career? Um, I think it's number one. Number uh, one. <laughs> somebody asked me that uh, before, and I wasn't sure, but it's for sure number one. Uh, I mean, it was against my old team. It was at the end of the game to win the game, So it's, and – to advance in the playoffs as well, so that de- that's definitely number one. You you've only been with the Texans for one year, and you've already you've already had a play that probably ranks for most Texans fans as one of their best in recent history, and maybe even franchise history because it was such a big win. I remember after the game, you said you thought you were going to score on that catch. Oh yeah, I thought you were going to score too, actually. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, I'm a guy that pride myself. Um, uh, feeling like I can score anytime I get the ball and to get the ball in open space like that. Um, once I saw the end zone, I thought for sure I was going to score. You're pretty fast. I looked up somewhere at your pro day. You ran a 4-2-8, 40-yard dash. Is that correct? 4-2-7. 4-2-7. Okay, because when I saw you on the field, and I remember thinking this in the preseason and in the offseason as well, I was like, he's, Taiwan Jones is fast. Do you mm-hmm. think you could still run? 
about yeah. that fast? I still think that I'm <laughs> the fastest on the team, so yes. Okay, we got some fast guys on the team, too. You're right up there with them. Yeah. All right, you said it was special because it came against your former team. You spent two years in Buffalo, mm. and I was surprised to learn that in your early in your second year, uh, last season, you were named a special teams captain. And when then I read the story about how that came to be, it was after some pretty unusual circumstances. So week two versus the Chargers in 2018, I think a lot of people saw this story nationally. Cornerback Vontae Davis, he uh, retires at halftime. Oh, you yeah. were in that game. Yes. He was your teammate. And then in that same game, you took a major hit uh, during the game. Walk us through what happened to that because um, – I read about it, and I almost couldn't believe that you were able to get up and, and play the very the very next week after that. Yeah, it was one of those weird plays. Um, our returner, I think he muffed the, the the ball, and it rolled into the end zone. I just remember trying to recover it and at least get it out the end zone so it wouldn't be a safety. And uh, After I picked up the ball, uh, there was already guys on me, and I was spinning out of a tackle, and halfway through the tackle, my helmet came off, and – they had so many guys coming down already pursuing at full speed that um, one of the guys, he couldn't stop, and he he caught me face first without my helmet on, and it was a, a, wow. a pretty tough collision. Yeah, Is it true that you were laying face down and there was blood coming out of your head? Yeah, so, you know, fortunate for me, I, I never lost consciousness, but it, That's did, amazing. it did knock me to the ground. I just remember laying there, and I felt the blood, and I was like, oh, my God, is my face ripped open? Like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't quite feel the pain just at the moment, but I knew it was bad. And uh, sure enough, as I opened my my eyes and looked at my hands, I saw all the blood uh, gushing down. And even then, I, I still didn't know what to expect because I was able to get up on my own. Like I said, I never lost consciousness. And walking into the locker room, um, the doctors, they looked at me. I said, oh, you're good. But they were kind of downplaying it, so I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm I'm going to be able to go back to the game. Oh, and, you wanted to go right back into the game? <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, yeah, no, nah, we're just going to go. It's take a lot you of down. blood. <laughs> yeah, and I I remember walking to the showers to get ready to go to the doctors, and that was the first time I saw it, and it was like when I saw it, I started to feel all the pain, and oh. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was seeing, and uh, yeah, it was crazy. You didn't have a concussion, but you got a lot of stitches after that, right? Yeah, um, I got a lot of stitches. I think I got 12, 13 stitches, and but. I was able to play the next week, which which I did. Okay, so you coming back and playing the next week on the heels of a leader on the team retiring at halftime, you come back the very next week. And a lot of fans that week wanted to know why you weren't captain of that team. And then your peers voted you special teams captain. How special was that? Because obviously you take a hit like that. That's not the first thing that goes through your mind is like, oh, this is going to make me team captain. But how special was that week knowing that the fans and everyone really appreciated your effort and how tough you were. Um, it, when, whenever you you get an award that uh, that your peers vote on, it, it always means a lot. And you know, it it, it it was a number of things, not just that play, but uh, the guys they saw the work that I put in during the off season uh, after returning from a another crucial you know uh, injury from the previous year. Um, you know, they saw my work ethic and they knew that I was willing to put my myself on the line for the team. And, uh, yeah, they, they voted me team captain. So here you are. You, you get you get to score one of the biggest plays against your former team in overtime. And Bill O'Brien has talked about the fact that you have sort of your packages that you run on offense. But mainly we see you a lot more on special teams. 
But today in his press conference, he he said that, you know, he likes to talk about the special teams players, the core special teams guys. Your name always comes up. So when you got here, what did you sort of envision your role to be? Um, He made it clear. Uh, uh, Bill O'Brien, he's done an awesome job of, you know, bringing in guys that, you know, believe in special teams and take pride in special teams. We got a lot of young guys that take a lot of pride with AJ Moore and you know Keon Cross and you're yeah those yeah, all those guys a lot of special teams core guys mm-hmm. and as a veteran uh, it's rare to see that uh to see a lot of young guys that buy into it and me being a vet I just I try to you know give them my story and instill how important uh special teams is and you know you can stick around uh, a long time by just playing special teams because we all got our story we all got positions that we want to play but you know I just reassure them that you know special te- you you take pride in special teams and you can stick around a long time and you've made some big plays on special teams this year Brian Anger even said you're killing it uh, out there I remember the Indianapolis game you down the ball at the one yard line and it seems like first of all the special teams unit uh, ranked first in the league they finished first in kickoff return coverage, punt return coverage. You were part of that group. And I feel like the crowd really gets excited about about big plays like that on special teams. Uh, how much have you enjoyed this first season in Houston and getting to make some big plays like that? Um, it's, it's been very exciting. Uh, I gave a speech to our special teams uh, the other day. I told the guys that, you know, when I'm out there, I'm, I am I feel like I'm competing against my, my teammates in a fun way because we all want to make plays. And, you know, I've been on teams where, you know, not a lot of guys care or take pride in special teams, and it sucks to be out there. But our special team unit is, is very fun to be out there. We're all competing. We're all having fun. We all believe in each other and what we're doing. And, you know, it, it helps when you got coaches like Seeley and Bill O'Brien who takes pride in you know, and uh, take pride of the guys that that's coming in. So, so special teams, but then you also get to go in in a po- playoff postseason game in overtime as part of the offense. How special was it? Because knowing that you're a special teams guy, you're a core special teams player, to get to line up on offense. Because I know that everyone's got their positions that they're here to play, um, but that sort of takes a backseat to special teams. How, how cool was it to go out there and and make a play on the offense? Oh man, it it, it was awesome. Uh, like you said, anytime we're out on the field, we want to be, we want to make an impact, and to be out there on offense and to get the opportunity to play my position uh, and get the ball in that type of crucial moment, it, it was everything. It was very special to me. When the play call came in and you knew that that was that it was going to be you, I mean, what was going through your mind? Well, really, uh, I was just thinking, you know, just do my job. Uh, I didn't think too much of it. I didn't. I wasn't sure if I'll get the ball or not. Um, but when I did, in my head, I'm like, take advantage of this opportunity. As soon as I got the ball, I was thinking, touch it out. So I'm sure you've got a lot of people out there thinking, hey, this guy needs to get the ball some more. Well, he's got some. He's got some wheels on him. Bill O'Brien said something really interesting. Uh, he said that in camp, they liked you so much. He was. They thought about switching you to cornerback. You played cornerback before, right, in college? Yeah, I uh, I got my scholarship for Eastern Washington for corner. Uh, I played two years with the Raiders at corner. I didn't get many much game time, but I have uh, I have you know knowledge of the position, and you know I, I I play against the Gunners on special teams, so I get reps at being a corner. I'm very familiar with it. So yeah. So you played corner for the Raiders as well. Yeah. When did you switch back to running back? Um. After Dennis Allen left, 
and the new coaches came in, then I switched back to running back. That's unusual, like in the NFL, to switch positions like that. Was that was that your choice? Was it challenging? How how was that for you? Um, you know, I, I'm a guy that if I'm on a roster, I I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. Whatever I can do to ha- to help the team has always been my mindset. So, whatever position that need help filling, I'm willing to do it and. You know, I'm very competitive, so if it's at corner, if it's at running back, or if it's at special teams, I'm willing to do it because I'm just excited to, you know, I'm excited for the one-on-one competitions. That's that's what gets me going on Sundays. All right, I read somewhere that uh, you really struggled um, in high school and you were diagnosed with dyslexia, but, like, really late in, in high school as well. Mm-hmm. How how did that affect your playing in, in high school or college? Does that still affect you? I mean, how – how does one deal with that, like, in, in the NFL? Um, when I was diagnosed, um, I guess for me it was just understanding, okay, uh, this is why it's a little harder for me. This is what I need to do to, you know, learn something. It's just understanding who I was and what works for me. Um, since I've been in the league, uh, it hasn't affected me too much. Uh, most of the coaches, uh, they understand, you know, uh, my – they understand uh, what I struggle with, and it really doesn't affect me much. Yeah. I guess you've known about it long enough. What about the kids that might be listening that are struggling with it? What sort of advice do you have? Because you obviously overcame it, and you're performing at a really high level. Um, don't don't let you know whatever you struggle with be a crutch. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't feel down on yourself. Just work that much harder, um, and that's what I did. That was the approach I took. Yeah, I have a, I have a you know, whatever you want to call it, a disability, but I don't look at it as that. I don't look at it as that. I'm just different. I learn different. So let's talk. I want to talk to you about your running backs group because they Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, those guys were so happy for you after that win against Buffalo. What's that room been like? Because you were sort of the veteran and you only got here, what, in the off season, May, Hmm. May or so. And then, and then you're sort of the wily veteran because Duke, Carlos, they all came much later Obviously, Buddy Howell was here, but then Cullen was also uh, a rookie as well. What's what's the dynamics like in that group? Um, them all my brothers. We like a big family in there. Uh, whenever anybody makes a play, we're all just equally excited as if it's us making a play. So uh, for me to get the call against again against my former teammates, they they know what that game meant for me uh, during the game. Uh, Duke saw my frustration when we were down a lot, and he kept coming up to me and saying, "You know, I got you, I got you." Uh, and it just shows that he know what this game means, what this game means to me. And oh, I got you, meaning because it's your former team, you really wanted to yeah, to win, right? So every time he went in the game, he was playing like he was playing for me, and it just shows, you know, how close we are. So when my number was called and he got to watch me make that play. Uh, knowing what it meant for me, he was he was very excited. Is everyone going to do that for Carlos again this week? And although Carlos had a great game the first time against Kansas City, oh no doubt, you know we we uh, we as players we understand what it means when you go against a, a team that may have passed on you or whatever the case may be. We know it, it means just a little more, so we definitely play a, a little harder. Not that we don't play hard all the time, but we understand what it means to each player to play against their former team. All right, good stuff. We've really had a lot of fun watching you. Hopefully we get to see you for many, many more games to come. Taiwan Jones, thanks so much for joining us on the Deep Slam. Right, thanks for having me. 
I think we pretty much hit all the major topics of the Taiwan there. Uh, we talked about playing running back. We pl- talked about playing cornerback. We talked about his speed. We talked about special teams. Uh, we talked about dyslexia. Um, after the interview wrapped, I actually asked him um, uh, where he got his name from, and he said that his mom just loves names that begin with Ty, T-A-I. And then he has a bunch of siblings that also have names that begin with Ty, just different variations of Taiwan. So I wish I'd asked that on the podcast, but sometimes you ask players about their names and there's, it's not really a, a story to it. Just, oh, well, my mom liked that name um, and my dad liked that name or it was my dad's or as a family name. And that was that, but uh, he, he shared that. Maybe the next time I get Taiwan on, we'll get into that, into some more detail. All right. A guy that I've had on the podcast before, Joshua Briscoe, we had him on prior to the week six game when the Texans headed up to Kansas City for the first time to play the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. Well, we chatted again, and Joshua seems to think that this is going to be a tradition. We're going to be talking multiple times a year because with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and what they're able to do, these two teams are very, very talented on both sides of the ball, and uh, this is going to be a fun rivalry to watch in the years to come. But for right now, let's talk about Sunday's divisional round game against the Chiefs. They are very different from the team that the Texans faced in Week 6. And hey, let's face it, the Texans are very different too. They've added a number of cornerbacks that were not even on the roster in Week 6. Vernon Hargraves, Gary Conley, uh, Bradley Roby did not play in that Week 6 game, but he's had a lot of experience against the Chiefs because he played in the AFC West for a number of years with the Denver Broncos. So, we talked to Joshua about Sunday's matchup, the Chiefs, what to expect, and here he is on the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity. Joshua, we spoke in week six. Welcome back. How's it going? At this point, it's going great, and I'm just going to pencil in that I'm going to talk to you twice a year for the rest of the time. That sounds great. It's funny. You should be very relaxed coming off the bye. I think that without having a game last week, what did you guys talk about a week on the radio? Oh, just nothing at all. We we looked ahead to baseball season basically. <laughs> no, no, it's been it's been wild and and especially with everything partially thanks to you guys that happened over the weekend. Uh just so much good football this weekend and then looking ahead for the Chiefs, the, the bye week came at a very good time. I mean it, it always does. Like to get that first round bye was was huge. And it also comes with the Patriots falling on their face and then they lose at home twice in a row to two quarterbacks named Ryan. That was apparently the secret the whole time. <laughs> had to have a quarterback playing in Foxborough named Ryan. That that was that was the, the secret sauce. So uh, we've had we've had plenty to talk about all year long, obviously. And uh, this is this is finally kind of everything getting very, very real. And it happening against the Texans feels right. Well, I think that Week 17 mood probably was the best in Kansas City with the way the end of the season shook out. The, the Chiefs beating the Chargers at home. And then, of course, the Patriots losing the Dolphins. And then Kansas City earning a first-round bye, which maybe they weren't expecting. But has the mood of the city settled down a little bit in the last few weeks? How did Andy Reid handle the bye week with the players? Well, yeah, the mood was was incredible, but I, I also do think, and it certainly wasn't expected because you needed Brandon Patrick to go into Foxborough. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that that the bye week might be might be more impactful for an Andy Reid team than just about anybody else. He's been so exceptional coming off of buys for his entire career, and he's struggled on shorter weeks more than he usually does. You know, struggle is probably uh, a strong word, but. Um, I think it. I think it's really, really important, and and I imagine that he spent this this week doing a lot of looking ahead to the three potential opponents that they had last week. It was it was pretty light work out at Arrowhead. Uh, we we didn't even have you know full practices with media availability and all of that last week. 
Um, now, obviously, it's kicked back into gear. But I, I imagine that Andy Reid spent that with a, a lot of time looking forward and a lot of guys trying to get healthy and just fully rest up before this matchup. All right, Andy Reid, he's coached this team to four straight AFC West titles, playoffs in six of the last seven seasons. But what do you think makes this 2019 team and season so different from all the others? I mean, I think I think it's twofold. The one that I actually think is less important is the rest of the AFC. I mean, like, this is the first time in a thousand years, other than the Joe Flacco year, that doesn't have uh, Manning, Roethlisberger, or Brady in the AFC championship game. And we know that after one week of football. Like, that's football. Playoff football. So that's crazy. Um, and, and so the changing of the guard there, I, I think, is just honestly fascinating. Um, but the biggest thing this year is that the defense is actually good. Um, it, the, the Texans gave the Chiefs one of their, their toughest early season matchups. But ever ever since then, and really throughout the season as a whole, the defense has been steadily improving. They brought in Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator this offseason after firing Bob Sutton. And Spagnuolo has been excellent. The diversity and what he has done with this defense and the way that it's changed and the way he has tinkered and evolved everything um, has been just top shelf. And they, they also brought in a lot of, of different personnel um, defensively last offseason from here. The, the biggest thing, though, by the way, defensively from the last Texans game, the Chiefs didn't have Chris Jones. They didn't have Anthony Hitchens. Hitchens is, is less of a, of a play-by-play impact guy than Chris Jones is, but, but he's the, the linebacker that sets every, everything up there. Obviously, Tyron Matthew this offseason, hugely, hugely important not to rub anything in. But uh, like, I really appreciate Houston not being able to lock him up because he has been enormous for the Chiefs this year. So the, the defensive overhaul has to be the first thing um, because it's the most different, and it's been not just not bad. It's been really good. Yeah, I'll get to Tyron Matthew in a bit, and I we do miss him around here and seeing what he's been able to do in Kansas City. It's really outstanding. Uh, you mentioned something that Bill O'Brien actually talked about in his press conference this week, that this Kansas City team is actually very different than the one the Texans played in Week 6. It's changed so much, and I think one of the factors also, Patrick Mahomes wasn't 100% healthy the first time the Texans played him, so... He finishes the 27, 2017, 2019 season, first in the AFC in passing yards, second in the AFC in points per game. When did he sort of get over that hump in the middle of the season? What was the catalyst to his turnaround? Was it just overcoming the injury, Was it, or was it something else? Well, so the week after the Texans game, they go to Denver, and he has that kneecap dislocation of just unbelievably horrifying. Um, so that happens. He misses a few games. As far as the ankle injury goes, the ankle injury seems to have cleared up while he was out with the knee injury on the other leg. And then he comes back from that, plays pretty well. Um, they, they play in Mexico. They get the bye week and all that. So I, I never, there was never a moment for me at least where I was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes might be regressing here. He might be getting worse. That's never been the case. Um, but he got hurt in week one. The ankle got rolled up on against the Jags. Since then, it really was a matter of how healthy is he. He had the hand injury pop up um, a couple of weeks back. So really, it it truly has just been him getting fully healthy and being able to look like Patrick Mahomes again. And even as the offense has been a little bit different than it was in the, you know, complete like Armageddon mode that it was last year, he has still been excellent. He's healthy now. Another reason the bye week is just always the best in this spot. Um, So it's all good news for Patrick Mahomes at this point. 
I know towards the end of the season, the Chiefs, they claimed pass rusher Terrell Suggs off waivers, uh, which seemed like it worked out really, really well for the Chiefs. How quickly was he able to fit into that system, and how has his addition helped the defense? He stepped in pretty quickly. Like that first week, he got a good amount of snaps. He's, he's helped in a big way, um, but, but probably the, the most important part of that is, is going to involve some names that a lot of people nationally aren't super familiar with. Emmanuel um, Ogba, the former Browns defensive end, was playing really well. He tore his pec and was out for the year. Then uh, a few weeks later, Alex Okafor, uh, former Saints defensive end, brought in this offseason as well, tore his pec and was out for the year. Um, so the, the defensive end spot was getting was getting thinner and thinner and thinner. They lost Breland Speaks back in the, the preseason. Um, so, so they were down – three like starting or at least highly rotational defensive ends and so whenever Suggs became available um it was it was a surprise for me whenever they claimed him but immediately after they did I thought well that shouldn't have been a surprise he's a positional fit he's here on a team that that has very real Super Bowl aspirations and uh and, and he's stepped in and everybody in the locker room has immense respect for him Frank Clark wears number 55 for Terrell Suggs or because of Terrell Suggs so it seems like on, on every level, it was sort of a no-brainer that also nobody was really expecting around here. All right, Travis Kelsey, the Texans remember him well from the last few times they've had to play him. He finished with his fourth straight 1,000-yard season. He actually finished with more receiving yards than DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, how impressed are you with what he's able to do still this many years in the league and, and especially as a tight end? He's an alien. Like, seriously. I mean, it, it, what he does at that position is, I mean, there are a handful of guys you can point to now in the league, but it, it is such a rare talent and it's such a matchup problem because everything that any defense can try to do, if you, if you give any one guy the Travis Kelsey responsibility, he is going to fail a high percentage of the time. And so you have to pay more attention to him um, the Patriots, especially these last couple of years, um, were famous. Or one of the assistant coaches said that, that they, if they could put Kelsey out wide and they would have a defensive end follow him out there just to chip him at the line up on the sideline. Like, they were going to rattle him around, and, and teams have done a ton of that to Kelsey. Um, and he's still super productive, but whenever you pay all that attention to him, somebody else opens up. And the Chiefs just have too many weapons for any one guy to get all of the attention. And, and Kelsey demands as much of that as anybody. Yeah, and obviously Tyreek Hill, he cut the two touchdown passes um, in week six against the Texans. What about him? How much does his presence change how that Chiefs offense is run? You, there's, there's a chunk of the last of the Travis Kelsey answer I just gave, but you could copy and paste for Hill. Uh, but obviously the, the way he does it is specifically very different. Um, he is... I don't want to like just be hyperbolic, but I, I really think that he is one of the most difficult assignments in football because it's such crazy speed paired with his route running consistently improving over the years. And, uh, and he's actually like weirdly good for kind of a short receiver at high pointing a ball and, and being able to make a contested catch. Like he is, he is the full package as number one receiver and then again, you, you, you just pair him up with all of the issues with Travis Kelsey or now the, um, the slow but steady, I guess, uh, reveal of McCole Hardman. Just insanely, insanely fast and insanely talented. Still from the edges, he's a rookie. But with all of those weapons all working together, each of those guys individually is a huge pain for a defense. 
but all of them together, it is, I mean, it's, it's completely overwhelming. And so if you're going to do any, any amount of sort of critiquing the offense, you could look and, and actually make the argument that over these last few weeks, they could have been even more productive with this whole group. Um, they, they've also won these last several games by a pretty good margin and put up a decent number of points. So, again, not quite the, the death star that it was last year, but all the talent still being there. Um, I, I expect it to continue being very high firepower draft playoffs. All right, let's get back to Tyron Matthew. He was named AP first team All Pros defensive back, and then second team. He had a second team nod as a safety. Obviously, the Texans are very familiar with Matthew. He was he was a team captain here, even in his one season with the Texans. But how big of a role is he playing out there in KC on that defense? Um, back on uh, on Monday, I was I was talking to a handful of the other reporters in the in the Chiefs media room. And I was joking about how, you know, every every two weeks, somebody writes a big article about how impactful Tyron Matthew was to step in and, and pull the whole defense together, not just on the field, but also off the field. And um, I, I it, it's kind of a joke, but it's also true. And it's also been justified. Like I, I think he's been the most important player on this defense this year. And I don't know how close it is. He's been exceptional in that role. He, but Steve Spagnuolo must just love him because of all the things he can do, not just as like a stopgap or anything, but the things that he can do whenever he's essentially weaponized. Like, hey, Tyron, we'll figure out everything that's going on around you. Help us make sure we're in the right spot. And then you do whatever, you, whatever, whatever creates the, the biggest problem for the offense on a play-by-play basis. He's all over the field. And it seems like he's just about always in the right spot. So that's been huge. The other thing, and actually, I don't, he may have done this in Houston, uh, but uh, this is very inside media. But whenever, uh, whenever Matthew, or whenever the Chiefs have uh, their coordinators talk midweek, uh, very frequently they will also have Tyron Matthew come out, out to the podium and, and address the, the, the media like only Patrick Mahomes does as far as, as quarterbacks. It's coaches and Mahomes, and then something every other week or so it's Tyron Matthew. He's literally become a voice for this defense, not just privately, but also publicly. Um, and, and I think that just goes to show how much faith the organization has in him, how much he returns back to the team, and, uh, and, and how unbelievably impactful he's been on this defense this year. All right, good stuff. Yeah, Tyron, did he did deal with the media quite a bit here in Houston. He was always willing to give an interview or to talk to everyone as long as as anyone needed. So no no surprises there. What about for you, Joshua? What are some of the storylines you guys are working on this week up in Kansas City? The biggest thing, the, the biggest late development from, from Week 17 was safety one Thornhill. He went down with a knee injury, finally an ACL. He's actually put on IR this week. Um, it's it's a huge loss for this defense. He's the rookie safety out of Virginia, second-round pick. Um, he's been playing beside Tyron Matthew and uh, and playing a lot of that, you know, kind of free safety, single-line safety role and moving around all the time. He, he has developed over the course of this season faster and better than I expected at draft time, to be honest. And, and so for him to be out of the, the lineup now through this playoff run, however long it goes, is a really big deal. Uh, so two names to keep an eye on uh, in, in the week leading up and then also on Sunday. Armani Watts was a, a mid-round draft pick a couple years ago, and, and he'll be getting a lot of those safety thoughts. But also you want to see where Matthew moves around, how that affects him. Um, but also Kendall Fuller in a really weird, interesting development. Kendall Fuller, he was the, a corner in Washington, a part of the Alex Smith trade. 
played corner for the Chiefs outside last year, slot corner more this year. But back around the Bears game in, in week 16, really, like we're talking about two games of this, he started playing a lot of safety. Spagnuolo has moved him around a ton these last couple of weeks. He's played very well there. So, I mean, this is a guy who's in a contract year. Like, the expectation was that he was about to get set up for a pretty big corner deal. This season's been weird for him. But now he's getting a lot of those safety snaps and, again, playing really well there. So seeing how, how the Chiefs are able to use those guys and, and having lost one Thornhill to counteract everything that, that the Texans are doing as far as the, the passing game in general, the downfield passing game especially, Hopkins, obviously, I have to imagine Steve Spagnuolo is preparing for Will Fuller one way or another. Um, so, so that matchup to me is probably the most interesting one because the Texans are probably getting Fuller back, hoping for Fuller back, and the Chiefs are losing Thornhill for their first full game. So seeing how, how the Chiefs plan for that is going to be fascinating. All right, great stuff. Joshua Briscoe covers the Chiefs for Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City and also for The Athletic. Joshua, I hope it does become a twice-a-year sort of a deal with you, but uh, we'll see you up there in Kansas City. Thanks so much for the time. Always happy to do it. Thank you. All right, cannot wait for Sunday's game at Arrowhead. I checked the weather forecast. It's supposed to snow on Saturday, but clear on Sunday, clear and cold. So I'm not really sure if that means there will be snow on the ground, but I don't think any new snow will be falling. But, of course, those things are subject to change, and I think it's going to be really exciting because we'll know the outcome of that Ravens and Titans game on Saturday night. And, of course, we know the implications of that, don't we? The Titans win and the Texans win. That means the Texans, for the first time in franchise history, would be hosting an AFC championship game. But, hey, first things first, let's just win on Sunday, right? All right. Thanks so much to all of you that are listening. Appreciate all of you. Check out HoustonTexans.com. And, hey, if you can't make it to the game on Sunday, don't worry. We have got the pregame show for you covered on Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. I will be down on the sideline. Uh, I'll be talking to John Harris. We will know who's active and inactive for Sunday's game because I know there are a lot of players that people have questions about. We'll know the definitive answers to whether or not they play on Sunday. And we're going to bring that all to you live from Arrowhead Stadium, so you're not going to want to miss it. So that's going to do it for the Deep Slam Podcast presented by Xfinity. Thank you all for listening. And as always, go Texans.